0: All right, everybody, good afternoon, Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast, and uh, we had to break this up into two podcasts today. Uh, we did the AFC uh, view on Week 2 and all the different things that are going on in the league, and uh, we're going to be embarking on the NFC Week 2 of the preseason and all of the other news that's happening in football. Wiz, how are you doing on this lovely August Saturday, Wednesday?
1: Yeah, doing doing, doing pretty good. Good. Uh... Really starting to uh, get my final stuff to get ready uh, for these drafts, uh, which will be taking uh, place, uh, you know, um, the end of next week will be starting. and It'll be a good stretch of days of having drafts, so really getting uh, prepared and uh, having to update a lot of things because there are things that are happening on a daily basis of uh, substantial nature in the NFL.
0: And by the way, Wiz, I I did go back and check that. uh, I I mentioned in the last podcast about uh, James Robinson uh, rushing yardage, which I thought was too low. Uh, going into the season before the Travis Etienne injury, and there is uh, no line at the moment, so that's the end of that one. Um, <laughs> you know, you know, Wiz. The other thing is, too, I, I do want to mention to our, our listeners out there if you're not doing it. So y- you and I got our draft order. Uh, our, our boy Steph, Commissioner Steph, who uh, I think is getting better at being a commissioner than he is at being a, a fantasy football baller. He's a he's He's paying way too much attention to trying to uh, appease every single league member. And uh, we know that's hard to do. But Steph Steph needs to focus on football a little bit. But uh, anyway... um we, we found out our draft order the other night, you and I are in this uh, All-Star League. Uh, uh, somehow, uh, all of a sudden, the draft order was being picked out of nowhere. Uh, I find out that I was 11th and you were 12th. Uh, I, I reported that to well, yeah, you.
1: Yeah, but we didn't. Uh, yeah, You were 11th-drawn name, and I was the 12th-drawn name. But uh, the way it works and the way that all leagues should do this is, if you draw number one, you shouldn't have to pick one unless you want to. You you pick where you want So uh, it was done in a way that when you and I had our picks, the number five pick was available and the number six pick was available. You got the pick and uh, you took five. Was that a strategic nature based on the numeric value or was it who the other person was that was going to be picking?
0: Uh, I don't like the number six. I like the number five. (laughs)
1: all right good stuff good stuff we'll we'll get into more of uh, but I do want to say I I,
0: I do want to say one thing like so upon doing that what I have been doing in mock drafts and I'm going to recommend to people uh, a really good site to do uh, a draft simulator on is a site called fantasy pros Uh, and you can do a draft simulator where you can put your position in where you're drafting. You set the parameters for your league. If it's a PPR league, how many teams are in there? It's fantastic. Um, that's just
1: to, just to let everyone know, do you have to be a paid sub- subscriber? No, or no, it, it,
0: it, it is free service. Uh, and,
1: all right. Good, good yeah. stuff. So yeah, we're going to do a, a podcast on, uh, on snake drafts and orders. And, uh, if somebody has a top three pick that the players were looking at, and maybe some opinions on that. And, uh, all the way for the first couple of rounds, we'll do something uh, like that. I think it'll be fun. It'll be interesting uh, as it plays out. But uh, let's talk about the NFC here and uh, the stuff that is going on. And why don't you start with your beloved New York football Giants?
0: Uh, well, actually, you know, you, you caught me off guard because I actually don't have anything to say about the Giants. So if you do, I'm going to I'm gonna pass the baton to you um, if you want to talk about the Giants. Because I'm disgusted, by the way, that Daniel Jones hasn't hit the field yet.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I, there, there are so many moving parts going on with the Giants. Like, I've never seen something like this where you have a young quarterback who really needs to work, and they're not putting him on the field. You have a superstar running back coming off a, a major injury, and there's so much unknown. And by the way, in the mock drafts, I don't know if you've noticed this, but Saquon Buckley is flying up to, I think, where I saw one, he was like in the top three or four now listed at running back. Um, I know he looked good in some workouts. And then you have a wide receiver who is paid a lot of money as a free agent, who's hurt. You have a rookie wide receiver who's drafted in the first round, who's un- unable to stay on the field. So I know you say you don't have much to say. I, I mean, I'm just trying to figure this all out. And uh, this seems like a, a giant jigsaw puzzle as far as the Giants are concerned. No,
0: I, I'm completely frustrated. Like, I don't... Uh, Daniel Jones, as we said, does not... has not earned the right to not be on the football field. This is a pivotal year for him, pivotal year for Dave Dave Gettleman's existence in this franchise, and Dave, and Daniel Jones has to be out there. He, you know, uh, these elite quarterbacks are, are out there playing. Daniel Jones is not. So, He's going to be out there this week. Uh, It sounds like they're going to be a little bit more full tilt. Joe Judge, uh, this is the way he's chosen. And and, and by the way, I was very supportive of Joe Judge as a coach last year, and I'm not not supportive of him right now. But it's just a little bit strange and quizzical on my behalf to think that Daniel Jones hasn't been out there uh, since day one in the preseason uh, on on the football field. So so we'll see what happens. I think you're right. Saquon is moving up, Uh, although Devontae Booker has once again looked very good, and I think he's a must if you are. A Saquon Barkley owner, you must have him on on your on your football team. I think the one thing you talked a little bit about Darius Slayton. Um, I would say this it, to me: it seems like the guy who's actually connecting more frequently right now, and uh, given Galladay's uh, injury, is a guy that's definitely going very low in drafts, and that's Sterling Shepard
1: Yeah, there, there, there's no question about that. You know, if he he has you know a couple years of experience with the quarterback, that Galladay and um... Kadarius, Tony, do not. So we'll just see. Just like I've not seen a situation where so many key guys on offense uh, have not played with each other, have not been able to step on the field. So we'll
0: have to see what goes on. Was there anyone in the AFC East that you did want to talk about? So yeah, in, in the NFC East that is, and uh, of the NFC, uh, East. so so yeah. So I you know I was giddy with excitement when Ryan Fitzpatrick and Curtis Samuel signed up uh, with the Washington Football Team. Uh, Samuel only now is starting to get uh, activated here. I think it looks like Ryan Humphreys is going to be a part of this offense, uh, especially with Stephen Sims being let go. Buffalo Bills just Adam Humphries, right? Yeah, Adam Humphreys, Sorry, um, and, and and they just picked them up, the Buffalo Bills, Stephen Sims Jr., but but Humphreys looks like he's going to be a definite part of this offense to start. I guess the bigger thing that I'm a little bit concerned about was when I've watched Ryan Fitzpatrick in this offense so far, uh, it's been a little lackluster, and, and Tyler Heineke has actually looked a little bit better, so am I crazy to think that we could be looking at a situation where at some point in the season, the Washington football team, and I think I spoke a little bit about this in terms of wide margins of outcome episode that we did well, I don't know. I'm not having as much faith as what I've seen in the first two games, anyway. In Ryan Fitzpatrick, is is do you think I'm jumping the gun there a little bit, or do you think there no, may be something I, no, there? No, I don't
1: think you're jumping the gun at all. Because when a team looks at themselves in the mirror and they think we have a championship defense, they're not it's, they're not going to accept poor poor you know quarterback play and turning the ball over and having uh, those type of situations happen. I think that that's a you know, that could be, that could be a big problem. So, you know, this is, this is one of the things, you know, with Fitzpatrick, he could be very, very good and he could be very, very bad. And when you have a good defense, which is, you know, different than some of the situations he's been on a championship defense, you want him to play within himself and, and kind of be mistake free. So I don't think they're going to put up with it for that long, to be honest. And, uh, you know, we, we'll, we'll see how, how it plays out. But, uh, yeah, I could just see situations where uh, they they will make a switch and, uh, and, um, and, and would they, you know, it wouldn't be uh, – he, he would not have, a, you know, a hard time and wait too long, I do not believe, making that switch. So there is pressure on Fitzpatrick, I believe, to play well from the start to your point.
0: All right, and then uh, on the Philadelphia Eagles, I think two guys that have caught my interest And once again uh, reading today, running with the first-team offense, and we know this has kind of been a disaster for Howie Roseman in terms of skipping on guys in the last couple of years. Uh, He skipped on Justin Jefferson, skipped on Claypool, uh, ended up with Rager and J.J. Orsega-Whiteside, but it looks like Kez Watkins is definitely playing with the first team right now, so he's definitely a player that I think at the start of this preseason, nobody really had on their their radar, but probably needs to put somewhere uh, to pay some attention to that player. And I do think it looks like, you know, if, if behind Miles Sanders, I think the most effective running back, I know Juwan Howard's on this team. Boston Scott was a guy like last year, but it really looks like Kenneth Gainwell. And again, if something would happen to Sanders, I think you'd see Gainwell and Boston Scott work out. But I think the more I look at things right now, we talked a little bit about his, uh, his accomplishments as a college player. He prevented Antonio Gibson from really being a running back in college. So I do think Gainwell is going to be the running back. You're going to want to own behind Miles Sanders on the Eagles.
1: Yeah. The game Gainwell is, is definitely looked good in, in, in spots. There's no question about that. But the, the one thing that I'm, I'm keeping my eye out uh, in terms of the Eagles is what's going on at tight end here. Where oh, yeah. Boy, Zach Ertz looks like he is not going anywhere. And, uh, Dallas Goddard. At one point, looked like he was going to be a clear-cut, um, you know, tight, you know, tight end seven, you know, inside the top ten. Certainly, tight end one, uh, anywhere ranked from like six or seven to ten. But what does that do to his value? I mean, it's good for the Eagles because Jalen Hurts wants to use and throw to both of them. They're both good, certainly. But what do you what do you make of this situation? And what does this do? Do you feel to uh, to what's going on with, um, with you know, with, with with Dallas Goddard, the you know the fact that Urch is, looks like he's going to be an Eagles for the season.
0: So what I, what I have been doing, and it's quite interesting that you asked me this. So I, I talked about mock drafts, and you know, let. Let's say I'm picking out of that fifth spot and I'm doing mock drafts based on that. Uh, based on the strategy that I'm employing at the tight end position, when it's come to my turn and I've got a choice between Dallas Goddard, Irv Smith Jr., Robert Tanyan, sort of thing, I am skipping over Dallas Goddard each and every time and taking those other players.
1: Yeah, I you know, I don't I I I don't have, I do not fault you for that. And then <clears throat> the Cowboys, um, <laughs> Dak Prescott situation. I said originally when this happened, this was something I was keeping my eye on. This was not a nothing burger. Um, this this appears to be something, and uh, you know when Adam Schefter starts reporting that he's going to be dealing with all season, and it may deteriorate rate as as the season goes on. I mean, are you moving? Are no, you moving down Dak Prescott and all your draft boards?
0: So it looks to be that people are starting to think like you and saying that it's not a nothing burger. And I'm noticing in in the people that I've spoken to in who have done drafts already and some of the mocks that I'm doing that there is a definite drop in value from where I think you and I probably would have considered Dak a surefire top. F- Five guy coming into the season where he's actually starting to slip below those top five quarterbacks taken.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, and what does this do with the frightening thought of Dak Prescott being out there? Is there trepidation? for all of those skilled players on the Cowboys.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, I think we definitely have to proceed with a little bit more caution than we did, say, three or four weeks ago. Uh, I think there was a lot of anticipation about this team bouncing back, being the better team, you know, definitely being the best offense in this division, and actually – Probably taking going into the regular season, uh, being the number one team in the division. But I think, you know, if you think that you're going to have a potential problem with Dak Prescott, there's going to be a huge impact on the rest of the roster and all of the other appendages and players that you're going to be taking on the back of Dak Prescott being quarterback. So you probably have to bring back all of your just a little bit. I think you have to be a little bit more cautious about all the offensive players on the Cowboys.
1: All right, are you ready to move to the NFC North?
0: Yeah, I'm ready to move to the NFC North. I, you know, the the one team I do want to talk about is the Bears and what we've seen at the quarterback position. Wiz and I have talked about this a lot. I know there's been a lot of noise made about Justin Fields. He's looked very, very good at times. But Andy Dalton's the guy that's going to be on the field to start off with. We've talked about Nagy and his experience with this with the Chiefs. That's not to say, if, would you kill a person for drafting, you know, Fields and maybe Dalton together if you want to employ that kind of strategy? You can do that. I think Andy Dalton is a is a good quarterback and a solid quarterback, but more a number two quarterback than a number one starter. So I think a lot of people feel if Justin Fields would get that opportunity, you'd be looking at a guy who could bring number one numbers week in and week out, or, or with a little bit more consistent than someone like Dalton. And what it means for the pass catchers, by the way, pass catchers, you know, behind, behind Alan Robinson and Mooney, there aren't a lot of guys catching the ball. Uh, I know they brought in bird from new England from last year, uh, Riley, um uh, uh uh, Riley Ridley is out there as well for them. He's actually get on, got been able to get on the field for them. But I don't know. I, I'm I'm I, I I for people that think that Andy Dalton is being rushed out of there, I think you're sadly mistaken. I think the one guy that I still continue to believe uh, will be there. At, you know, at the start of the season, for, at, with the most consistent on this offense is going to be Montgomery. But he does have a little bit more company in the backfield this year with uh, with with Williams being back there. So I don't know. The Bears are really the one team that I want. To talk about, I think Allen Robinson still is kind of going high off the boards. I think I think Allen Robinson will do fine with both quarterbacks, but I think there is a belief that the dynamism of the, of the Bear offense would do a lot better with Justin Fields as a quarterback. But I think, like I said, Nagy has felt for a long time and seen for a long time that you know Patrick Mahomes sat for an entire season behind Alex Smith. And I think we're going to be looking at a very similar uh, setup for this coming season, Wiz.
1: Yeah, you have to worry about the record, how he plays. I mean, there's a lot of things. I mean, you know, again, it's not, uh, you know, a team that, you know, you know, there are a lot of people that have their job on the line for this season for the Bears. So it's not like, you know, you have a Jacksonville situation where, you know, everyone's going to realize, okay, you know, this is going to be a few years here. Uh, the Bears are expected to win now. And if Andy Dalton wins games and he plays okay, He's going to stay on the field. I mean, I don't know what they're going to do. Are they going to boo every incompletion to get Justin Fields, uh, you know, out there? I mean, um, he took such a nasty hit from Andre Smith, and it really was him not, you know, he didn't, he didn't get his offensive line ready for that blitz pickup. He wasn't aware of it. He didn't see the field well. And, uh, you know, I think it's something like that. They're, they want him to get better at before they're going to put him out there in live action. So I agree with all of those things about the Bears. Uh, Wiz, well, you know, let, me, let not... me
0: ask you on that. That offensive line is one of the worst in the league. Are we looking at a potentially, like, you know, what do you think that means for Montgomery this year? What, you know, are, are we looking at a situation where these quarterbacks are going to be running for their lives a lot, a lot more this year?
1: Yeah, I think if the Bears get themselves in these type of games where they have to throw the ball in the fourth quarter, it could be really ugly. Um, So, you know, they're they're hoping that, you know, they can hide and protect that offensive line with their defense and stay in these close games. And it's always difficult to do that. But what's even more difficult is to send a rookie quarterback out there with an offensive line that can't protect him. We saw what that led to with Joe Burrow last year. Uh, It didn't look like Cincinnati learned their lesson. They passed on Panay Sewell. But we'll see what happens with that offensive line. But it's not going to make a difference who's out there. If you can't protect your quarterback at all, um, it's going to lead to a lot of ugliness. So the people that are just saying you play Justin Fields, play Justin Fields, it's not that simple. It's just not that simple when the offensive line can't protect their young quarterback. So these are things that are not only going to affect the quarterback situation, but I believe Mooney, Allen Robinson, Montgomery, and Damian Williams as well.
0: All right. So – what about the Detroit uh, pass catchers? Wiz, you know, we talked about trying to figure out who was going to emerge out of this group. You hear some people say it's going to be Tyrell Williams. Perryman has actually looked okay. We know that Ty- uh, Hawkinson is going to be the main guy. Uh, Amron Saint Brown is here. Geronimo Allison is here. Uh, are we learning anything about what pass catchers in De- in in Detroit? A team that's probably going to be playing from behind a bit this year. Uh, you know, Jared Goff, the new quarterback. But do you feel we've learned anything? I, to me, this seems to be. Uh, not a clear pecking order right now. Uh, I think we'll see St. Brown in, in the slot a lot more with the other guys playing outside. Uh, Quintus Cephas is also here. Uh, do you have any clarity on the wide receiving group? Because I do feel owning a wide receiver in Detroit and a team that's going to be playing behind a lot does have some value in terms of fantasy.
1: Yeah, I think TJ Hawkinson is going to be the clear number one pass catcher on that team and when I project the receptions for the Lions, it's really T.J. Hopkinson to me catching 85, 90 passes, and then several guys catching maybe 50 or 60 passes for the year. I'm not sure any of those guys are going to distinguish themselves. You have know, guys who are rookies, Perriman, uh, uh, Cephas has look good at times, but I- I'm just not sure any of those guys this year are going to take over and be – the clear number one wide receiver. So when I project the receptions for the Lions, I'm projecting Hockett's like 85 and 90, like I said, and then several of those guys, 50, 55, maybe 60 catches for the year, and you have to see, you know, how it plays out. But, you know, I, I like what I- I've seen out of Quentin Cephas um, and-, and and Brown as well. They're the two most interesting guys because, The other guys are, like, known commodities, and I know Tyrell Williams has talent and Perriman as well, but, like, I'm interested to see the younger guys if they had an opportunity to play.
0: Okay, fantastic. Uh, How about the other two teams in the division? I don't have any comments on either the Packers or your Vikings. Uh, Anything to say on either of those teams?
1: Nothing on the Vikes. One thing about the Packers is I've noticed on mock drafts and snake drafts, Devontae Adams has really gotten to the point where he's now in that middle First, a first-round territory where he's clearly jumped Tyree Kill in terms of the number one wide receiver and even passed some of the running backs that have been taken ahead of him. Uh, I know there was something out there that Aaron Rodgers wants Devontae Adams to get a, t- a truckload of money and going to try and do some all kinds of records and, and things of that. So I don't know if who's on the heels of that or whatever, but Devontae Adams has... Risen up the board, and it's just something to keep your eye on. Snake drafts, where he is now getting into that territory where no receiver was, he was getting into that territory where he's like middle ish, uh, first round in terms of snake drafts.
0: Yeah, I think you and I actually will be uh, making a decision. Uh, I have the fifth pick, you have the sixth pick. And if I if I think the draft goes the way it will, I think you and I will be deciding between you know, Devontae Adams and one of those other running backs uh, dropping to us and we'll have to figure out what we're going to do. I have no idea what I would do, but I would agree that there's definitely a movement of Devontae Adams higher as a result of uh, some of the things we've heard.
1: Yeah. And, uh, moving to the South, uh, it, it was announced, uh, that, uh, they're going to roll with Winston as uh, their quarterback. I mean, he's looked terrific that Winston Callaway connection has been the hit of preseason football. And, uh, Boy, there, there, there's some potential for some wild outcomes uh, with James Winston, a quarterback. Um, you know, I think it's good news for a receiver standpoint. Um, but as far as being a Saints fan, um, we'll see how it plays out. But uh, he he's looked good so far, and uh, have you liked what you've seen from James Winston so far? Yeah,
0: look, you couldn't you couldn't be disappointed what you saw the other the other night. Um, you know, Callaway was the you know our, our boy Call D has. every time he did something in that game. I mean, he looked very, very impressive, and we don't know when when, uh, Thomas is going to get back on the field. Traquan Smith has been an enigma and inconsistent. I think the other thing to watch out with New Orleans, too, is, is what happens at tight end. We've talked a lot about Adam Troutman, but Troutman got carted off on the field. We still don't know the severity of the injury, and Juwan Johnson is a guy who's definitely caught the attention of people in the fantasy circles and some of the beat writers. Uh, and we know there's going to be opportunities for, for for catches to be had in this offense. So, so a name to keep in mind is, is Jawan Johnson. The other thing I'd bring up too is on on the Saints is that. Everything pointed point is I don't know if if they're trying to inspire Latavius Murray, who I thought was one of the better handcuffs in this league. But they are really putting Tony Jones on a pedestal, uh, even to the point where the announcers the other night said that Sean Payton wants to see him emerge as a number two running back. And he's looked great when he's out there. So I think that's something that we definitely have to watch. Uh, who wins that battle for the backup running back to Alvin Kamara?
1: Yeah, there's, there's there's no question about that. Uh, the one thing about Callaway, yeah, absolutely look great, but it's probably going to be a little difference when he's thrown against the Bucks and the Jacksonville Jaguars, so we'll have to see um, what he can do. And he but, but that combination has looked good. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all that interesting stuff. Uh, are you, um, you know, what's your thoughts on Mike Thomas? Is that going to be uh, like a Deshaun Watson thing where, you know, you let somebody else make a decision on that? Or... Uh, could you be interested if the value becomes uh, interesting to you?
0: I just, I just worry. So, a couple of things. So, I don't know how, you, I don't feel that Jamin's Will, Winston's skill set is necessarily. Uh, Fits what Mike Thomas does best. So that's first. That's the first thing. The second thing, we've talked about this before, the fights last year and some of the other stuff, like off-the-field stuff, like the suspension. I, You know, again, this was a player, we, we were talking about him as a slam-dunk first-round guy in snake drafts, going for more than any other receiver in, in, in uh, auction drafts last year. And, you know, you got to have, you have to be a little bit gun-shy, and, and, and even the way he handled this injury. So... I'm still going to give someone else uh, the baton when it comes to Mike Thomas this year. I'm going to let it be somebody else's problem.
1: Yeah, um, I didn't have, um, let's see, there really was nothing to say on Tampa Bay. It looks like all systems go. Uh, Carolina looks like Terrace Marshall has really emerged as the number three guy there. I think he's somebody... I guess you'd keep your eye on Quadri Allison in Atlanta, you know, kind of like clear enough to back up uh, to Mike Davis situation. Are, are, you, are, you, uh, are, you,
0: are you reading my notes, Swiss? Cause I have Terrace Marshall written down and I have Quadri Allison written, written
1: down. I'm not reading your notes, but I'm going uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I would probably think it on the same wavelength. Was yep. there uh, anything that you wanted to say about, you know, either of that? I mean, uh, where the backup to Davis seemed to be cleared up and it looks like Terrace Marshall has, uh, has um, has clearly become the number three guy in Carolina
0: so so here's the thing I, I, first I'm going to talk about the Atlanta situation uh, so Mike Davis last year when he got the opportunity to play was was very good in, in place of Christian McCaffrey he's an older guy he's been on a number of teams uh, there's not a lot of wear on his tires. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we know what Arthur Smith did with a big, big running back like Derrick Henry. I'm not comparing Derrick Henry and Kadri Allison, okay? I'm, uh, Allison, I'm not doing that. But I, I, think, I think Atlanta hasn't exactly shown their cards in the preseason yet. That includes with Kyle Pitts as well. Uh, there's been talk about moving him around the formations a lot in practices. I'd say the same thing at running back. I, You know, would it be completely shocking to me that you, you see a little bit more of Allison in some games than, than Mike Davis? I think the answer is probably no at the moment. So I'm going to watch the situation closely. Uh, I think we could be potentially looking at a situation where he has more than just handcuff value. So I'm monitoring very closely what happens here uh, in Atlanta. Uh, so that's one. I, Marshall, again, definitely has caught my eye in these first few games. I really want to see the offense with everybody out there, Donald out there for a little bit longer. Hopefully we get to see a half of football. Uh, Robbie Anderson just saw, signed a long-term deal, it looks like, as well. So, you know, all systems go here. And, uh, you know, the, the DJ Moore is here as well. And and, and I, I'm, I'm excited to see what the Panthers do. On, on By the way, on both sides of the football, I think this is an emerging deal. Defense. Uh, The one thing I did want to point out about Tampa Bay, though, is, and you called this, Gio Bernard is getting so many accolades here, and if he's not moving up draft boards and in leagues, would know what Tom Brady did for a player like James White over the years. uh, Not to say that Jones or Fournette is anything really special in this backfield, but Gio is getting all the love that you can have uh, from his coach, from his quarterback. And Wiz was on top of this one, so kudos to you, Wiz, but Gio Bernard looks like he's definitely going to be part of uh, the fantasy landscape this season.
1: Yeah, when we did the podcast about, um, you know, players <clears throat> well outside, you know, starter range, yeah, I, I talked about him. It. I mean, it's not surprising to me, and uh, I even mentioned this could be James White 2.0, so uh, we'll have to see how that plays out. If now it makes that running back situation, uh, I don't know, are you going to delve into and try and figure out who is more valuable, Leonard Fournette or uh, Ronald Jones?
0: Uh, no, I'm not touching those other guys. I'm, not, I'm probably not touching any running back here. It is just... Too much noise here. Uh, Again, one of those situations where I'll let somebody else worry about it. And I think on a week to week basis, this could be a real, real headache. And you and I have talked about James White in the past. What it means when there are certain games where James White, when Tom Brady was in New England, was if it was going to be one of these up and down games, and you know it was going to be you know a higher passing volume type of game, you wanted to have James White. In other games, the guy was complete. You know, you didn't you know you didn't even know he was on the football team, and I think we could be looking at the same type of situation where, in some weeks, you know, five, six, seven weeks, Gio Bernard could be the, the main guy in this backfield, depending on the competition.
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely. And uh, I know the notes or anything uh, as far as the South goes. Do you want to move on to the West, or anything you
0: oh, want to add the- let's move to the West Wiz?
1: Yeah, Arizona looked ugly. Uh, oh yeah, It It is looked. It is looked. Ugly, and this is such an important year for Cliff Clingsbury. um you know, to get that air raid offense going. And uh, it doesn't look good. Nothing about it looks good. Um, I don't know what to make of it. I'm worried that their offensive line still isn't able to hold up. Uh, I know they have good skill players at wide receiver. Uh, I know Kyler Murray, you know, is all the talent in the world, but. I don't know. Are you concerned about a team being able to turn it on after they look just so horrendous?
0: Horrendous. Uh, you know, and and, and and I actually have to tell you, coming into this season, like if I was kind of thinking about, like before preseason started, you know, kind of targeting Kyler Murray, you know, and, and I think I talked about this in the quarterback. I thought he could be the number one quarterback this year. Right now, I am definitely questioning myself in terms of that. I think it is the line. That's holding things back. We know we haven't seen um, Deshaun uh, uh, Hopkins yet. We haven't seen him yet. Uh, so, you know, I just did the other, the, the game last week with, with uh, Kyle Murray out there for the first time, it was just, I mean, drive after drive was uglier. In fact, I think they kept him out there longer than he wanted to, just to see if we can find some offensive consistency. And it just never yeah. showed up. It, it was really, really ugly.
1: Yeah, it was really ugly, and uh, we'll see after how it how it plays out. But you know, you hear glowing reports about this guy, and AJ Green looks great, and DeAndre Hopkins is going to catch 120 passes, and Randall Moore is a good writer, But It just it you know, and of course they have Christian Kirk as well. I mean, just it, it doesn't it doesn't look right, and if the offensive line can't hold up, it doesn't matter who you have at wide receiver, you're not going to be able to throw the ball. So. uh that's something to keep an eye on. Anything else on the cards? No, nothing no,
0: Nothing else on the cards. Uh, although I, I do have to say on the Cardinals, th- there seems to be a desire to draft the Cardinals defense um, much higher than I would anticipate. Uh, I don't know. I You know, J.J. Watt, you know, we've talked about it. He's been around a long time. Uh, not on the football field a lot over the last few years. But I, I don't know. I keep seeing Arizona Cardinal defense kind of in the – Top sixteen of the of the of the NFL defenses in fantasy. I, I don't. I'm not quite buying that, Wiz.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that as well. I, I can't imagine myself doing anything else than streaming the Cardinal defense this year. But I'll tell you another thing that we talked about um, was Daryl Henderson of the Rams, and I didn't trust that situation. To me, I it never felt to me like Sean McVay trusted Daryl Henderson. And when we did the podcast on some of these guys and we talked about Daryl Henderson as a player that we didn't necessarily trust, I said to, to specifically to, to keep your eye on, will the Rams in some way bring in a veteran running back of some kind to help out that running back room? And sure enough, the Patriots and Rams made a trade today. Enter Michelle, and there's Sony Michelle. what does that mean for the Rams backfield?
0: Yeah, look, Sonny Michel at times last year looked very, very good. Uh, now, the Ram offensive line, I don't think it's as good as as the New England Patriots one. Uh, and Sonny Michel can catch the ball out of the backfield. You were dead right. I think the, the situation didn't smell exactly right. Um, they had lost one of their running backs uh, to, to injury, and I think they jumped on this. We thought maybe they could look at someone like a Le'Veon Bell or a LeSean McCoy or someone, someone like that. But th- this, to me, is – you know, because – Sonny Michel is still a young player. Uh, so I think they get a guy, which and, they, and they don't, you know, they're they know you not sure. You know, how, how does Cam Akers come back from an Achilles injury? That's a difficult injury to come back from, and they're probably holding their breath a little bit about that. So the price tag was a couple of draft picks here, and Sonny Michel is a Los Angeles Ram. We've talked about this already, Wiz. We think there's all our eggs are in the basket for the Rams playing for a Super Bowl this year. Uh, they're playing in their own stadium, and every action that they do take uh, really, really definitely shows you that they are very serious about that.
1: Yeah, they're, they're, there's no question about that. Um, so I, I think that makes things a little bit more complicated as far as the, the Rams running back situation is concerned because, you know, anytime you make a trade of that nature, you're just saying, okay, I don't necessarily like what we have here. We need a little bit more depth, and we're going to go with something else like that. And you just don't make a trade where you're giving up picks this close to the start of the season, and I'm not going to use Sonny Michel. So... Um, we'll, we'll see how, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, kind of like hurts expectations for a couple of young guys. Was there anything else you wanted to add on about the Rams?
0: Yeah. Cause I think people were talking about Xavier Jones or, or, or Funk and, and those guys, the, the balloon, the air goes out of the balloon with the sign, with the signing, uh, with the trade, uh, with, with, Sony Michelle.
1: And moving to the 49ers. So this is really becoming, um, a bit of a situation where it looks like they're going to start Garoppolo and they are going to case him Hill. Um, Trey Lance, if you will. Uh, and that's the way that they're going to use him at least for beginning of the year, some of the year, all of the year. Who knows? What does this do to, to George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, Devo Samuel? What, is it, what does it mean for the pass catchers of the 49ers? The way it looks how the 49ers are going to go about this
0: part of the season. Yeah, I think it's tricky on a lot of fronts, even for the running backs too, Wiz, right? Like, we, we, we like Raheem Mostert. We think Sermon will be a part of this attack. Jeff Wilson's going to be out a while. Uh, if a guy like Lance is part of the offense, particularly close to the goal line, what that's going to mean for red zone touches for the for the running backs. So I think they're part of the equation as well. We both think, you know, again, you're dealing with a young quarterback here. Jimmy Garoppolo... Again, I don't think he's done a lot in his NFL career. He's kind of been talked about a lot, but not necessarily done a lot in the career to kind of warrant the attention. So... I, I still have to believe that at the end of the day the, the the decision that the 49ers made to move up in the draft to bring uh, Trey Lance into, onto this team was what it meant for their entire offense uh, and I think their entire offense will be better because of it when he's under center uh, full time you know when that actually takes place remains to be seen but uh, you know again after Kittle because I think Kittle again is going to benefit regardless who's going to be playing there um, we saw a couple of interceptions that were thrown in that last preseason game where, where receivers dropped drop balls or balls which were, were thrown behind receivers that took place. Uh, every time I turn around Debo Samuel's having another look at is either his gluteus or his hamstrings. Uh, and, you know I own the guy for one dollar in a keeper league. I, I, don't, I don't know what to do about that situation quite frankly. Uh, I know in most leagues that everybody and their mother is basically drafting Ayuk ahead of Samuel. Um, we both like Ayuk uh, a lot and that's probably the right thing to do but remember Ayuk was a beneficiary of nobody else being around last year or looking at a situation where that, that will be a little bit more balanced. I don't know. You know, Debo, Debo Samuel has to stay on the field. But I, 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 I am starting to feel with kind of like, when you're talking about moving guys in and out of the lineup. That, that's, an, that's a challenge for the receivers to be on the same page with not, not only one quarterback, but they have to do it with two. So... I don't know. There could be a little bit more inconsistency in this offensive passing game if you're kind of shuffling quarterbacks here, you know, depending on the situation. At least that's the way I'm looking at it. But, you know, again, long term, I felt if Trey Lance is on the center, that's going to be a benefit to this entire offense as opposed to Garoppolo.
1: And the two things I'll say about the wide receiver situation is this with Garoppolo quarterbacking, if Garoppolo is going to start the whole season or the majority of the season, I just prefer Debo Samuel. To Ayuk. However, not only would that reverse if if Trey Lance would get in there, would Ayuk be above Debo Samuel in my mind, but Brandon Ayuk would, would move up a lot in terms of where I would rank him in wide receiver if Trey Lance, because he just has the arm and the confidence and the, and the style that fits Ayuk's game a lot better than Garoppolo. So, this is the difficult thing. Not only are you trying to analyze Garoppolo versus Lance, but you're trying to uh, analyze wide receivers based on a projection of what's going to happen at the quarterback, which could be projected on how the team does in terms of wins, a lot of different things. So it, it makes this 49er situation, um, you know, tenuous at best. And, yeah, and, you and to know, your I'm, point, I'm, by the, the way,
0: I own I own Debo Samuel at one dollar in a uh, in, in our league, right? And I am definitely right now. If you ask me today, if I'm keeping Debo Samuel, the answer would be no.
1: Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I can understand either either side of the argument to that. It also depends on who your other who your other players are. But you know, I, I you know he, I, I think George Kittle is safe with either the quarterback. Um, but I just look at that offense and the one player that needs Trey Lance in there to really fulfill his potential as a wide receiver more than anyone else is, uh, is Brandon Ayuk. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Um, I did see you somewhere that Elijah Mitchell had jumped uh, Wayne Goldman on the depth chart, and now he's a number three running back or whatever was going on there. So, you know, the, the the there's a talented running back room uh, in San Francisco, and, uh, and 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 Wilson is not out for the year, so he could be somebody that you could keep your eye on, especially in the waiver wire as he gets down the stretch, as uh, he had become a major factor for the fantasy football playoffs last year, and uh, who knows, it may happen again. Who knows? Uh, who will be around for the 49ers at running back uh, come the end of the year?
0: Yep, exactly. I'd say the only thing, too, I have to say about uh, Seattle, Wiz, is is that the reports right now are that Waldron, uh, Sean Waldron, who is is the new offensive coordinator, came over from the Rams, is definitely looking to instill a little bit more dynamism in this offense. And, And when I read this, you know, it's kind of tilting me the other way. You know, so in the same league, I own Russell Wilson kind of, you know, still have some sour taste in my mouth from kind of out of the second half of the season, uh, you know, is it a mistake to, for me to think that there could be a little bit more of a dynamic offense? Not to say that there won't be some balance, because I think Chris Carson and, and, and Penny uh, and, again, Alex Collins is also there, and they're going to want to run the football too, but I think they got really cockeyed last year in the second half of the season, and I think there was a reason that they made the change at offensive coordinator, and I think, look, this team was, you know, like we talked about, Russell Wilson was uh, was a slam dunk MVP candidate the first half of the year last year. And it looks like, you know, again, with the addition also of Everett as a tight end, uh, we could be seeing a little bit more on on the passing side of things. And maybe we've discounted Seattle a little bit too much, including Russell Wilson uh, coming into this season.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it was a tale of two halves. There's no question about that, but look, there's a new set of eyes and a different coordinator calling the plays and uh They have Gerald Everett in there, more athletic tight end, and that could help as well. So I could see, as far as your situation, I know the price you have Russell Wilson at, uh, you know, it's not an easy call. He always usually goes for that amount that you have him at. You know, so, again, I can understand both sides of it. Uh, it, It's difficult. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you're hoping that with a new set of eyes in there and and a fresh start with a different coordinator – that the you know the, the talent can match the output of uh, of uh, for the Seahawks offense this upcoming season.
0: Okay, very good. Anything else uh, to add? Any 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 more teams here in the NFC, Wiz?
1: No, no, that's a uh, that's that's a wrap. I think we're gonna really start getting into uh, specifics, and we're gonna get into uh, like I said, we're gonna do some some mock uh, snake drafts, and we're gonna do. Um, You know, uh, if you have an early first-round pick, a middle first-round pick, a late first-round pick, we're going to go over some players that we're considering and and what we think. And, you know, um, I'll just go over it again. I think the best way to go about this and prepare for your draft is don't do the same thing over and over again in your preparation. Figure out if you're in the middle of the round, what it looks if you have a running back, what it looks – if you take a tight end, what it looks if you decide to go for a Hill or a Devontae Adams and see what comes back to you. Look at your team. See what they look like. Compare. And just don't repeat the same thing over and over again where you're getting the same players. And, you know, may, maybe if you do it a different way, you have a team-by-team-by-team by team by team thing to look at to compare and see which team you like best and say, okay, this is the strategy I'll try for my draft. So uh, if you're going to prepare for the draft, don't do it the same way over and over again. Try different thoughts and philosophies and strategies.
0: Great advice as always, Wiz. All right, so that's it. A wrap-up on this one, Wiz. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, SoundCloud. Again, please subscribe and listen. Uh, we're going to keep coming at you all preseason, and we're getting ever closer to the opening of the NFL season. and. Big weekends of drafts uh, and weeks of drafts are ahead of us, with. So, very excited. Great job as usual. Have yourself a good evening, and we will talk later on.
1: You got it.